Hello, and welcome to episode 225 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, returning to duty after a week of uh, custodianship from Shongaku. And joining me this evening are my wonderful co-hosts, Spirit and Vrabin. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? I am actually doing wonderful, despite, despite Daylight Saving's best effort at ruining everything that I know and love. I'm feeling well, so that that's good. And I slept enough. Yeah, is uh, has has your have you guys hit daylight saving also, and it's double hour screwed up, or is it just one hour screwed up, and then it'll be another hour screwed up soon? Oh, it's just one hour screwed up. We have the the next hour coming uh, April seventh for me. <laughs> yeah, great. I love it. Uh, boy, <laughs> boy, Wait, daylight savings. That- it is. The funnest. I thought the United States was the only one who did that. No, we have it too, which means that seems really dumb. Yeah, it does seem we really dumb. Doing it, doing everyone, dumb time to stop doing dumb things. I think actually, I think I read somewhere that the U- the European Union is set to stop doing daylight savings in 2019. But I don't, I don't know. I haven't had an update on that. I don't know if they like didn't do it, but I know they were going to stop very soon. I saw several states are also trying to introduce legislation to just be like, yeah, why don't we just stop? It's the dumbest. But other, yeah, all states would be like, no, let's don't. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. How are you doing this evening, Brabin? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. I'm glad I'm here. I found a quiet place to record because my house is a little more noisy, 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 a little noisier than usual. Um, We had another baby and that's why I've been out for so long. So, yeah, doing well. Haven't had much time to play the game. I got in and got my mount, which I think we're going to talk about. Um, but I just kind of got it and jumped around and didn't do much. But, yeah. So, um, uh, as as was uh, dis- discussed earlier, I missed the last episode because I was in Japan. And you guys talked about the new Fractal. And then we had had the announcement that there was going to be a new World v. World mount, but did not have a ton of details and now at the time of recording, I think all three of us have uh, acquired our World v. World mounts. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. All right. Um, I know that I am probably the person with the least amount of World v. World experience. So would one of you like to uh, lead off on this section to, to talk about it? I, I definitely have some thoughts from jumping into the deep end after not doing it for quite a while, but uh, perhaps initial thoughts would be more appropriate from somebody who has it more in their bag of general play. Well, it depends how you want me to approach it. I can approach it from how I think the world world community is going to react, how I think about it, what it is, how I feel personally about it. Um, how I think it's going to affect the game, regardless of my feelings and the other people. I mean, I could go at it so many ways, because I know it's going to be ill-received by the community at large, or I'm guessing it's going to be ill-received by the world people community at large at first, just like Lightning was. Uh, well, I mean, fair. I think those are all interesting avenues to take, and I mean, that's a, definitely a big reason why we wanted to make sure that you were on this episode, because I probably can only comment on one or maybe two of those aspects, uh, so... I mean, I guess really whichever you would like to start with. Okay. Um, how much have you used it, Spirit? Like, I've I got it and I've played around. I haven't hit a gate with it yet. I see, like, I can. Um, I mean, but then do you, you probably have enough World Reward points that you could get that ability, right? Yeah, I just um actually respect my World Reward points on my Necro um, because mm-hmm. if you, it, it kind of happened unceremoniously, like a year and a half ago, or maybe even longer now. Um, they added longer. resets for the 
the world points, you get two free ones from a, you have to buy them off a vendor. You get two free ones and then you can just reset your world world points for like 20 spirit shards or something, something, you know, most people wouldn't even think twice about. So, um, yeah, I just went and reset mine and inspect some of my siege that I can like, never use a trebuchet. So I just put them all in, uh, work law points and, and had the full set sort of from the beginning, which is really nice. So, yeah, um, I have used some of the the extra abilities, I guess. The door pull one is not very impressive at all. It does oh, okay. 2,000 damage to the door. Um, I think the merit in it... So not only does it not do much damage to the door, you have to use an ability which then locks your mount in place so you can't move. Uh-huh. And then you basically go into a siege mode like you're using a ram. And every time you pull on the door, you spend one supply to do that. So I think it does have some niche uses, but it's not like Zergs are rolling up to a gate and everybody is attaching. There's also um, a limit of three chains on the door. So once there's three three things on the door, there's nothing else you can do. But I do think it has some good use in like... Uh, it can't be disabled, I don't think. So, you know, if you get really close to taking down the door and you've got a few there people who can yeah. get out of combat and, like, get back in, then there's some there's some new uses there, but it's not it's not like it's changing the meta of cracking open towers. Well, just what you said there sounds really interesting and good to me because it's always annoying, and maybe it was a good annoying or bad annoying, I don't think I have an opinion, when you've got a door down and all of a sudden like everybody and their brother and it's only like five people or less show up with disablers and you just can't get this door down yeah uh, and that's been something that people complain about for a long time it's like how can one or two people you know defend a uh, a keep in the middle of the night when we've got six people here what's going on so be that good or bad i think that's interesting it mixes it up at least you know, in that specific instance you were talking about but oh i don't know i mean if we're going to talk about um and for my for my view i think it's a good thing i think it's always a good thing when something new comes into world view world to spice it up and change a little bit. And I think this is going to change roaming and engagement a lot because I've, I've just kind of settled into playing roaming in world view world um, roaming and havoc, I guess would be the main roles, the official roles that they're called. Um, so when there's a chance to, you know, take something, if I'm in a five or six person group, the people I usually play with will do it. And it's awesome when we can get a, a keep or something. Um, but since I roam a lot, and I am a, my build is a little different than most people I run with. I play an Ellie. Um, I actually have better movement um, than than the mount because I have so many skills that when they come off cooldown, I can just keep chaining them. And like Dagger 4, I think it is with Lightning, and I zoom around. So I'm one of the fastest people that I've seen playing World View World. So it doesn't give me extra speed unless all my cooldowns have been burnt, but it is going to change how I engage with other people um, in you know, that roaming area. And it depends whether or not, you know, it's your zone that you get that speed boost is how it works, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it, I was, it was definitely immediately apparent because I didn't do it like the day it released. I did it, um, you know, a, a couple days later. And so there were a lot of people that were roaming around that did have it. And and then there was, you know, a big part of the sort of main Zerg that didn't have it. And so like the haves versus the have-nots for the extra speed boost was uh very very noticeable and yeah you you run way faster in your own territory than uh you know than than enemy territories Which, the other thing i think is good and there's gonna be a lot of opinions about it um it'll up the defense game and in my opinion upping the defense game um is really good that's what happened with gliding because since you can glide in your own territory it allowed people to get from say in 
the Citadel Waypoint in the snowy borderland, um, you know, from Citadel Waypoint over to the garrison much faster once Glyne was implemented. Um, it would it counted many times where you could save the garrison. And I think that's good. I always thought the defense game wasn't as well developed as, you know, the Zerg offense game in World B World. You know, some people could say it's more cumbersome and, you know, taking things would be harder and stuff. But in my opinion, that's a good thing. As an aside, uh, it's been, as I said, a long time since I've done World v. World, and I completely forgot that you could glide in it. And then, so I joined, and then immediately I saw people gliding, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, sweet. And so I I jumped off the big, uh, like, central keep and started gliding, and definitely forgot slash didn't know that your masteries don't carry over, uh, and absolutely fell to my death in a hilarious fashion. I I had a big smile on my face looking at your show notes about I haven't played World v. World in a long time and just seeing things like there was a bubble on me and then I died. <laughs> Which I know exactly what was going on there, but I can imagine for someone who didn't uh, was really perplexing and kind of horrifying. Yeah, accurate. Uh, what was that bubble anyway? Uh, so it's the Spellbreaker Elite which is called, I think it's called Winds of Disenchantment. It's just yep. a big gold bubble that um, prevents boons from being applied to you and rips boons off of you. Doesn't and it, ha- it just so happens... projectiles um, uh, as well? Yeah. Uh, and on top of that, it just so happens that in the last balance patch, they changed it up. So that you, it used to be just a bubble that they dropped on the ground, but now it attaches to the warrior and they have to channel it. So there's just a bunch of warriors running after you channeling a super doom bubble. Okay. All right. That's, uh, yeah, that about they, explains it. Did they buff it now that it has to be channeled? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's about the same. I think I think the buff is that it's now mobile. You know, like you can chase after oh, a group yeah. with it. Well, the because when that first came out, when uh, uh, not Heart of Thorns, what the next expansion dropped, Spellbreaker became a thing. Um, it was OP in uh, World v. World, and then it got nerfed, and not everyone and their brother was running it um, with every Zerg. Um, it was still useful, but not overpowered. I'm wondering if they change anything now. It's mobile. That's interesting. Yeah, anyway, there's my my show notes are a giant cluster of whoops, it's been too long since I've done PvP. I've completely forgotten these things slash I'm not familiar enough with the uh Path of Fire exclusives uh or you know new new features on a bunch of the other classes to remember what I was looking at. So uh, that was an added layer of hilarity for this event. Yeah. But falling um, because of the gliding thing, I mean, I still do that every once in a while. If I bring in a character that I haven't had in World of the World and I haven't set masteries and I jump off of something, I was like, oh, no, splat. Yeah, I've made a huge mistake. Um, yeah, kind of kind of funny. Um, I, you know, while we're on the topic, I feel like this probably brought a whole bunch of new players or players that don't play it into this game mode uh what i mean like myself obviously what do you how do you feel about the impact do you think that um the world view world players enjoy the sort of shot in the arm or do you think they are sort of annoyed that we're we as in people like me are uh running around like chickens with our people heads cut off all filthy casuals you know those guys yeah yeah it's yeah so, exactly. it's it's again it, like i say every time we talk about world view world it's 
uh, the problem with Wobby World is everyone has a different opinion. So yes. there's some people who are like, oh my God, that that's so great. We've got new blood. We're going to teach everyone what to do and it's going to be great. There'll be more people in there. Some people are just like, ah, every map is cute and all I want to do is play Wobby World and Edge of the Mist isn't real Wobby World and I just want to get onto Eternal Battlegrounds and fight some people and I can't do that right now. And some people are, are like, ah, yes, there's so many bad people here. I can just farm them. And so <laughs> the it's just a mix. There's Everyone has a different opinion. But, yeah, so the people uh, that are like excited, like, oh, we can teach a bunch of people and there'll be new blood and blah, blah, blah. They're going to be the ones that hate it the most in like a few months when they can't teach the people that have come and they're just annoyed and angry at that point. And then the people that are running, you know, Zergs, they're going to think it's great because that's, you know, where the masses are following the commander tag. Um, mm -hmm. The commanders are going to love it because there's going to be more people following that tag. But since, you know, if these are people coming in that don't have masteries to get the, uh, get the mount yet, um, they're going to be frustrated because they'll be tagging behind. So who knows what's going on there. Um, I think it's going to be fun for me and the people I play with because we roam and do a lot of, you know, in, we, we, don't, we, we like fights. We don't hunt them down like some of those people going to Edge of the Mists or whatever, like, uh, I'm sorry, Eternal Battlegrounds, like Spirit mentioned. Um, I mean, that's why a lot of people go to Eternal Battlegrounds, just to try to 1v1 or find a 1v1 or a 2v2. Um, I mean, my group doesn't do that, but we're open to it. Um, so I think the differences in, engage in engagement because of the speed differences of the mount, and I'm excited to see what will happen if I gank someone and I'm not on my mount, because I can move so fast across the map with one of my, my, my Ellie build, double daggers, that I want to see, you know, am I gonna have how, much, how much of a difference is going to be taking down that mount health um, before I, you know, fight this person with their normal health bar. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, anyway, it was, it was definitely an experience to return to, and I was absolutely that guy getting farmed to death by uh, thieves and mesmers. It was painful. But that's, you know, that's, that's the game mode. I, uh, I was not salty about it most of the time. Yeah, just if, at least on NSP, if you put on a little bit of armor, um, those thieves and mesmers get really discouraged, and uh, then they just leave you alone. Because they're just going for the easy kills. They're going for glass people. Yeah, I was definitely running a glass cannon build because I did not re-respec for <laughs> for the P versus P. Um, but yeah, anyway, okay. So uh, that's that's interesting. I excuse me. Um, I would you guys have any things, thoughts about? Oh, go ahead. One of the things that's going to be really interesting with it, especially for. Um, roaming groups that are doing reporting to the tag, if there's a tag that um, the roaming group may trust to, uh, you know, send info to, is the number two skill where it'll reveal units, and I'm guessing it will reveal stealth units too. I'm not sure on that. Um, in a it does circle. not. Oh, it does not. Okay. So oh. it'll reveal any unstealth unit um, in a 5,000 range, and I kind of think that'll be interesting. Um, people that, because there are people in Warworld that play, they scout all day long. That's all they do. Um, and that adds a boon for that gameplay. I mean, there's people that scout and tap, and that's all they do, like 12 hours straight. I've heard stories of people doing it. It's like, oh my gosh, how do you even, what? But that's interesting for them, at least, because um, now they'll have, you know, the, the mount for more speed and that uh, 5,000 range to see someone. That'll be a way to find, you know, who's hitting what on a keep much faster than it is now. Yeah, I can see that. It's uh, it's going to have some interesting, it's, yeah, it's, like you said, it's going to have some some interesting implications, especially... Uh, yeah, for things yeah, like so scouting. For, adding yeah. that in, it's going to make reporting faster um, on hitting a keep or a tower. If it's a level three tower, it's what's worth protecting, I should say. 
um, for a keeper or a tower. So not only are you moving faster now in the Roby world to get there faster, you're maybe potentially finding the, the attackers faster than you used to be able to. So that's that's interesting. I like I like that though. I like the defense going up and like Spirit said, everyone has different opinions in the world, so I'd say it's about half and half for people who don't want the defense game to be buffed um, and want, would rather just, you know, Zerg do the K-Train thing. Even the... Um, I've run with a few sort of Zergy groups. That's that's my favorite thing to do in World World is get into the big, you know, massive three-way fight, well, tag what everything. Kind, what kind of Zerg, though? Like, the Zergs that are just uh, pickup groups or the coordinated guild Zergs? Because that's where it gets really interesting. I prefer the coordinated groups, but because I'm not affiliated with any World v. World guild in particular, I don't, it, it's luck if I get into them and I am a pug in them. Um, but, you know, I try and get on the Discord or whatever and, and pay attention and, and work with them. But um, I was running with a rather, like a semi-coordinated group that had a bunch of pugs tagging along, um, but a guild core a couple days ago. And what they were saying on the the discord was really interesting about how engagement has changed since the war claw came out um so they would say back off and empower and get all the buffs up and then they would get on the mount and because the leap has an evade on it they would charge through the front line and just engage on the back line and, and, you know, pop out of their mounts right on the back line and shred everything um oh, and that was a, that was a ton rallies. of fun yeah, <laughs> it was a ton of fun for us. Not so much fun for the Elias on the receiving end. Um, but just the the speed um, and angle of attack engagement on enemy groups has changed due to the mount, uh, which is really, really cool to have people playing around that. And I think the other thing that's changing, like it's, it's still a gradual process between um, the latest balance patch, which had some... some P, uh, some worldly world targeted changes and the mount um, is the pirate ship sort of style of engagement where people where two blobs are uh, near each other but shooting each other from range waiting for an opportunity to go in is on the way out in favor of hammer trains uh, and my my favorite thing is the the group I was running with was calling it the he-man comp uh, <laughs> with a bunch of scrappers because scrapper got some pretty significant buffs, especially for Wobby World. So uh, I like the the He-Man comp hammer train, very aggressive melee ball, destroy each other fights. That's what I find fun about Wobby World. Well, it looks kind of like what He-Man rode in the '80s cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's I'm really glad for that too because the pirate ship meta has kind of been what's been going for too long. I feel. And anything that has implications and switch up the meta and making maybe the back line having to have to have either guardians in the back line now to protect those people. Or, I mean, there's so many things and it's going to be tricky and, you know, people are going to do, you know, evading and veiled things, acting as if they are an old style group or maybe they are an old style meta um, uh, Zerg and they're tricking someone to think they aren't. And it just all the different strategies that can be developed for that, I think is really interesting. I, I like, and this it mixes it up. I'm glad that it mixes up because World of the World has been getting stale, I believe. It's just really weird for me to hear Pirate Ship because I play a lot of Overwatch and that's definitely the name of a build in Overwatch and uh, also nobody likes it there. So I guess that's... <laughs> some things are common across ships. all games. Um, so did you... did How did you guys feel about the length of, of unlock... Like how long it took to unlock it and the steps that you took to unlock it? Did it seem just right? Did it seem a little too long? I don't think anybody would say it's too short, probably. I would not say it's too short. Yeah, I don't I don't think for something 
something that seems like as crucial to World v. World as it's going to be or slash is. Um, I don't think it really can be too short. I felt that it was pretty appropriate. The only the only part that I had that dragged was the reward track. Um, but I can imagine that if you get in, like, you know, the people who are coming in a couple months from now, maybe a new player or whatever, um, they might have a bit of trouble just depending on when they play and uh, how they play, getting a keep. Yeah. Um, that it's not i don't think it's un, an unreasonable ask to have someone get a keep but um i think in currently uh all of the tasks are very easily completable in the time that it takes to get the reward track done um but it it could be that depending on the situation it might be harder to get a keep but then finish the reward track we'll throw a little possibly pro tip here um, if you tag a guard or kill a guard is the way to be sure, and the keep is taken even like three hours later, if you're on that map, you will get credit for that keep. That's really good pro tip. I didn't know about that. Yep, that's an excellent thing to do if you're roaming around in World the World and you've been banging on a keep. You just hit, you know, you have to hit up the door a certain amount of times. I don't know how much damage it is to get, but if you kill a guard and then it get you get it later, you get it. Even if you come back to that, if you left that map and then you come back and it's taken while you're on that map, you will get it. So yeah, always make sure you tag guards when you're taking trying to take something. Nice. That's towers, a really good pro tip. Towers, keeps, whatever. That is a good pro tip. Uh, I I would sort of agree with that too. Like it's It was really easy right now with everybody zerging sort of all the time. Um, but yeah, the taking the keep especially is definitely going to be the sticking point for people in the in the far future. Did you feel like the amount of time... Well, like basically tying it to the reward track system was um, was fine. I guess it it seemed it wasn't too bad, really. Like I got it in like two or three sessions. So, how many yeah. tickets did you have when you went in? Grab up uh, the tickets that you need to buy the armor pieces of an officer. Oh, I actually had enough. I didn't have to. Um, the only thing I had to quote farm was just the reward track to get the. Okay. ingredient at the end i had um plenty of tournament tickets and world v world tokens yeah. and all that Since stuff i had the tickets and tokens too it made me wonder um how long it would take to get those tickets if you had none i don't i'm not totally certain on this i think um i think it would be almost impossible to i've somebody i'm sure is going to make me eat my own words but i think it would be almost impossible to finish the reward track without getting enough tickets because you don't actually need 50 because every time you get a different collection item, like you take that keep or you take that camp or whatever it gives you an item that gives you five skirmish tickets so you only need oh, like 15 nice. tickets total if you started with none and we're finishing the objectives as you went so yeah it's 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 almost nothing and again the reward track if you're doing the reward track in world v world and you're not doing something like just popping in for dailies and you know getting it by doing your pots or whatever i think it's almost impossible to finish the reward track without having enough that sounds about right then yeah because yeah you're capital at 360 tickets a week if you're farming tickets but if they're giving back out yeah, something that's good i'm glad that's that way because i was able to unlock mine i didn't even have to worry about the reward track because i save up uh uh, reward track potions that I get from dailies. I think I have a set of stack of them. So I just like, and I had it. So I'm like, I have no idea how long this takes to get. Yeah. Um, if you, so in, in terms of like overall reward track time, I think it takes about eight hours to do a full reward track, assuming you have no 
boosts of any kind, but um, there are a number of pretty easily attainable boosts that people just don't necessarily know about. So for example, there's a 10% reward track boost from the guild hall. Um, there's a 25% boost on just for the event that's going on right now. Um, XP boosters, like just, just normal XP boosters have 50% reward track gain on them. And you all know that you're not using those for anything else. So dig out your reward, your XP boosters, put those on if you're doing the world v world. Because you know they're just sitting in your bank waiting for, you know, I don't know, Tengu to come out. We all know that they're, yep, no, you're just holding on to them. Just use them. Just use them. Uh, birthday boosters, I think, have 10% as well. And then there's also Black Lion boosters that have another 25%. So I was, when I was fully buffed, oh yeah, sorry, one more thing. There's a infusion that goes on your amulet yep. that increases it by 5 or 10%. So fully buffed buffed i was getting like 440 points a tick or something which is two or three times the normal rate of gain and so it, it didn't take me very long at all yeah i had oh i was gonna say i didn't have all of the i didn't have all of them but i have yeah uh, the birthday boosters coming out my butt because i have so many characters that i have more than yeah. i can get rid of and uh i had a few world v world experience boosters from ages gone by and i did not do the infusions but i think i was getting like 380 per ticket yeah at tier six participation um Vraven. and yeah it it did not take that long i would i would guess that it probably took me five and a half hours maybe and you probably had to get your participation up from zero right yeah definitely yeah so another change that could people could have easily missed over the last few years is um, participation doesn't decay when you're outside of world v world now. So it, it used to be that every time you went into world v world, you'd have to build it back up from zero. But now if you build it and keep it at the top by basically not AFK in world v world, um, it's really easy to just jump in a few minutes at a time and get some progress on it without having to bend over backwards to do anything for it. Yeah, I wasn't honestly sure. I wish I had read that ahead of time. I wasn't sure exactly how that worked. And so I definitely sat AFK for like a little bit one time just to like collect my rewards out because I didn't realize that the tier participation would stay between logouts, um, which is, you know, kind of scummy to do, but whatever. Eh, yeah, don't worry about it unless there was a queue. Yeah, uh, and if you do want to do that for whatever reason, you still get rewards in Obsidian Sanctum. So you can always go to the jumping puzzle where there's, by the way, Obsidian Sanctum is like the best free merchant area because there's all kinds of it stuff, is. right? Like they're all the merchants are right next to each other and there's no clutter and like there's no one ever around. Go to Obsidian Sanctum. It's awesome. Just go there. Yeah. Good, good, uh, good pro tips. How do you guys feel on a kind of different track? How do you guys feel about how it looks? Um how do i phrase this so i like it but i have a couple problems with it i like the big heavy armored cat aesthetic the i think the pounce skill like the number one where you dismount and you're slashing things with your claws is amazing i love that um so i really like the animations and all that kind of stuff i am a little bit weirded out by uh, the sort of aesthetic of the face only because it's a little bit too close to 
for comfort to me to char which uh are a playable race so it's it's weird that as a playable race i can play a, a quadrupedal version of myself that is my mount which is just a little bit uncomfortable i don't know it's just it's just weird it's like it's not the worst thing for sure i don't mind it that much but it's just uh, just you know, uh, just a little bit uncanny uncanny uh, is a good word for how i feel about it you know old Ascalonians probably don't have a problem with it <laughs> probably not although um we do know that the the helm, the horns that the cat has are um, are part of the helm, not actually of the cat. So it could be styled after Char because Char is so badass that we needed to make giant murder cats themed after Char. Scary, yeah. yeah. And my other tiny gripe is that in the, the default skin, if you look straight on into the mask, it looks like a luchador mask to me and I cannot unsee a uh, wrestling cat. What was Amazing. it about? What was it about that we know is in the helm? Did you finish that or did said there's something? Oh, the just the um the horns that are like part of the aesthetic. You know how it's got mm-hmm. sort of four horns and then they're they're part of the helm. They're not actually part of the cat's face. So oh, okay. um, I see what you're saying. We we just know that because there's a bundle of skins out at the moment. Actually, I really like how they did this, um, because they put out the new Warclaw and it didn't have any skins. They released a bundle of five skins in the same price range as previous bundles, but they're all for the Warclaw. Um, so there's one without the heavy armor that's kind of like a like a cheetah looking skin, not quite as slender, but the same sort of aesthetic. Um, there's a branded one, there's a fiery one, and there's two that are just kind of the normal Warclaw with alternate color schemes and more dye channels. Uh, but that went in, up into the gem store actually today. So people are starting to have different skins for theirs around. Yeah. Um, on that, I really like that you can, on the fiery one that looks super Balthazar-y, I like that you can choose the fire color like super easily with a die. Yeah. I think the it's funny that it gives you the Uncanny Valley effect with the char because that's, I definitely thought it looked kind of like a char, but in a good way. Like I, I enjoyed that. And I think... Maybe that's partly it's probably because I don't play Char that much, but I one of the reasons I like Char is that they are sort of intentionally designed to be bestial. So it's like a bestial race that is civilized, but I think that that sort of means that <laughs> it goes with the territory that they look like yeah. beasts, right? So, you know, I, I just mean, left because civilized yeah. is like a <laughs> it's a generous term for what the Char are, but yeah. Well, I mean. I don't know. They're they're a they're big civilized. They're a they're a race that has built a large, uh, heavily engineered society. They're not. Um, they they are a war civilization. But they, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess violent, yeah. But it's still civilization. Yeah, I guess right. peace, like civilization has the connotation of like a peaceful, organized. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's the kind of stuff that you generally get with a, like a quote civilized nation in sort of media. But they're they're very civilized but they're just uh not content with being peaceful they're a civilized warfare society right because normally when you get races like that they are you know sort of technologically primitive in that way right it's like they are in tents and with spears and whatever Mm -hmm. and they're just really strong so that's why they're a player race Whereas, like, yep. the Char invented firearms and tanks and, like, 
you know, built a giant scrap battle Death Star. And they're full on predators, so they got to find a way to channel that, you know, predatory energy somehow. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I really like how it looks. Um, It's, I I have a little bit of mixed feelings about the skin pack. Um, Like, on the one hand, it is kind of cool to be able to just buy a bunch of skins for it. Um, On the other hand, that is like like $25 slash $30 since you can't buy $25 worth of gems. Uh, And if you really only like one of those skins, it's like. But yeah, I don't know. That's just sort of what goes with the goes with the mount skin territory, I guess, yeah. you know. I'm actually surprised I guess uh I'm just happy that there are some skins that are out for it right away that I can get uh a guaranteed Warclaw skin for. It's like when the Definitely. when the Beetle came out, they put out a new set of the RNG ones. Um and so I bought I I like having a bunch of things and I put my gold towards it because I don't make legendaries anymore. So I just want to have mount skins. And so I bought a pack of the RNG ones. And I was like, I just want one beetle skin. I don't really care which one it is. I just want to be able to dye my beetle. Uh, and I actually didn't, I didn't get any because RNG mount skins. <laughs> so uh, if I want to just get a skin for my Warclaw, I already have an opportunity to do it. Although, you know, honestly, even though I really want the branded one for it, I probably won't buy this pack just because I don't want five that I won't use. So I'm probably just going to wait and see what else they come out with. Because they typically have um, sort of uh, a premium mount skin that changes the model in some way. So like the Springer one has the Gecko Springer skin. So I might just hold off because uh, if I just want the one skin and they're probably going to do one of those and it's going to be the same price anyway, probably just wait to see what they put out because I have a strong suspicion that there's going to be some kind of Dolyak work class skin. Um, and that would just be too amazing to go pouncing onto people with Dolyaks and finishing them. They should make it so you can only get that skin if you have a commander tag. Done. No, but going back, I think we touched on it already, but going back to you know, uh, new player integration in this skin, I think it should be, not skin, this this mount, um, I think it should be easier than it is, because I think it's going to discourage a lot of people from getting into World Super World in the long run. Um, because at some point, you know, everybody's going to have it, someone's going to pop into World V World, and they're going to be like, what, I got to do this and this and this and that. Maybe they won't even know what they have to do at first, because it's not real clear what you need to do to get it, and then the time involved, and then you're going to be behind people all the time. So I don't know. I kind of looking at this and looking at Gladian, I'm kind of wish that they would, you know, give you the the default version for free. That way, at least you can, you know, be running with everybody. But um, I don't think it's out there yet. I um, I'll try and find a source on this for the show notes. But they are already talking about having mount rentals like the festivals for Wobby World. Oh, that'd be good. So that that new players can get on a mount right away um, while they're earning their own one. So I think that would be a really good, a really Maybe smart way to take it. Yeah, that is a smart thing. I Have they talked about why you don't use your masteries in World v. World? Is it just a tech issue? Um, I don't think they've said anything about it. I'd imagine they're just... Um, it's hard to say because World v. World masteries actually came before PvE masteries, as far as I can remember. Um, I think, I think they're probably just designed intentionally so that they can do kind of whatever they want in PvE and it doesn't mess with World v. World. Um, 
but I don't like I don't see any reason that they couldn't take the world v world masteries and duplicate them into a PVE line and like make you acquire them again in PVE. Um, yeah, not that they'd actually do anything. I just I don't I don't have a clear answer to that, but I don't I don't know why they I don't know why uh, the mount being cool in world v world precludes it from having the same abilities in PVE, even if they're not useful, right? Like if they even if they want it to be the world v world mount, that's really super cool and badass in world v world. The fact that the none of the abilities exist as they do in world v world in PVE is just kind of annoying and lame. Like the extra dodge is gone. Like the sniff skill could maybe sniff out, um, you know, like PVE enemies. Like how how bad or unbalanced would it be if once every 50 seconds I could ping my radar and see red dots around me, you know? Like, like I, I don't understand. Things. Yeah, I don't understand why uh, it couldn't be okay in PvE, even if it's better in World v. World. They just had to... They, like, took out... or We don't have access to any any of the things that are cool about it, even though... Yeah, I don't know. I just, it's, I just like... It could just even be bad, awesome. but yeah. still fun, you know? stand in lion's arch with like the flame skin with this rare dye color and that's that's what people really want in dot mounts anyway yeah i keep using it all the time so i uh for whatever reason i've had to i i bind all my mounts separately and i've done control one to five for my path of fire mounts and then on top of that we've got the roller beetle and the war claw now so i had to find more keybinds for them so now i've got control e and control Q and my war claws on control E and my jackals on control four, which are right next to each other. So a lot of times when I'm thinking that I want to use my jackal, I'll accidentally mount up on the cat and I have it. They're like conflated in my head a little bit because they do sort of both, both sort of the short hop forward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I keep doing that and making that mistake. So I'm writing a lot of my war claw a lot more than I intend to sometimes, but it doesn't break my heart because I like the cat. I just wish it was like as cool as my jackal. Yeah. I yeah, I use control X and control Z and then like also alt. So between every combination of control and alt and control alt, I have them all on the X and Z's. Yeah. But now I'm really running dry on on mount uh, on mount binds. Well, I already had binds for that. So what I did is I put my mounts. Since you never really need them immediately, it's not like you need a mount in a raid really fast or anything. I just have my mounts by ran out keys over on my number pad. Not my number pad, my directional pad. Then I put them in number. Never mind. You don't need to know my whole thing. But yeah, I have more <laughs> than my keyboard. That's so you smart. don't have them for as quick of access as, as we do. Is what you're saying? If I had so many other things as quick access, um, I saw my controls bound for things I do in World v. World because it's more PvP and it's like, ah, where do I put my Yeah, I can see that. I, I have all my stuff easy access because just because you can't mount up in combat, you're looking for those very quick moments when you get out of combat to like smash it as, as fast as possible. Or in addition, um, you can actually quick swap mounts if you mash, like if you're mounted up on your jackal, say, and you want to get to your griffin, if you're mashing the keybind for your griffin, uh, instead of getting all the way off and then getting on the mount, it'll play the animation faster. So you like get off and then immediately mount up on the griffin. So it's kind of a way to, swap mounts faster but if you don't have them bound in any capacity i highly recommend 
doing separate keybinds for your mounts because it's just so much less of a hassle than switching the the little mount menu next to your skills menu because it's so good it looks so good i still don't understand why that's not a radial menu that you can me either that would be so much better there is um if you really like the idea of that there is a player made one that is an acceptable quote-unquote mod for the game i remember seeing that before the Beetle, the ruler beetle even came out. Has it been updated? And is there hope that it'll be updated for uh, the jackal or the war beast as well? I am almost certain that it was upgraded for the beetle, and I'm not, I don't know, I haven't checked after the war clouds come out if they've updated it. I would imagine so because a lot of people are very fervent about that. that the, particular the, mod. the guy developing it is still uh, doing stuff with that. That's cool. Yeah, as far as I know. Okay. So, what do you, how do you guys feel about? How do you think the World v. World community is going to end up feeling about this in, say, three months? Um, do you want to go, Spirit? I, go, go. I get the sense having... I've been playing a lot of World v. World while there's people in it because there's a few things that I want from it and it just is so much more fun to me while there's a lot of people there. So I've been binging really hard the last two weeks. And I think uh, a lot of people have already settled into it because... It's not um, it's not game-breaking in any way ridiculously that ArenaNet hasn't responded to already. So like one, one of the things that was happening early on is uh, people were using the leap to get around, like get into forts and stuff that weren't accessible. Like they were getting around gates and just jumping into forts. And within the first three days, uh, ArenaNet nerfed the length of the jump so that they couldn't do that as easily. I don't know if there are any spots still out there. Yeah, but ways and it keeps though. But go on. Yeah. But that was that was like the main complaint. And then the other the other thing that people were really upset slash worried about is that the having a mount model would increase the amount of lag and frame drops that happen in World V World. And I I'm actually honestly pretty impressed that I haven't really noticed a difference at all since mounts have come out. Um, maybe different for people with different computer specs than me, but I really haven't had any big lag issues that are different than what was before the patch. I had some, I had some bad lag, but I've been just having bad lag in Guild Wars in general for a week, like even in raids, not, not world world related, just some nasty lingering problems that are being annoying, but I haven't noticed any differences in world world. Have you guys? Oh, I haven't. I was very uh, excited to see a Zerg with a bunch of them, all different colors, running around. It was, it was, yeah, a different game um, almost. Um, yeah, I took a few screenshots because I was like, "Oh, that's so cool! They're all on cats running around." Did, but, it yeah. didn't bother my experience, um, and but I've got a pretty decent um, uh, machine for playing Guild Wars. I imagine though, um, if you set you know uh, default models, you'd get default skins. I hope that's how it works, so you wouldn't have to deal with you know fiery mounts and things with these. Yeah, released so far. I'm not sure about that, but I guess my point is those were the two very big concerning things is that it would negatively impact game performance and that it would enable additional exploits. Um, And because those things have been less of an issue or nipped in the bud, I don't think anyone is like, I haven't, well, I haven't noticed people vehemently being like, I'm quitting the game. I hate this so much. It's ruined the game. I'm leaving, blah, 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 angry. 
Um, I've heard people are like, oh man, it buffs defense. I don't really like that. Defense doesn't need a buff, but I I don't think anyone's super salty, rage quitting, game leaving in droves like people were making it out to be before it came out. I, so I hope in three months people will like it still. That's how they react about anything. They were like, oh my gosh, this is going to ruin World v. World. Yeah. But, I mean, it was the same thing with gliding when they introduced gliding. And now I bet you 90% of those people would be more angry if you removed gliding. So yeah, give it three months and I bet most people would be really angry if you took it away. The thing that I was hoping would be a little different on it when I heard that it had siege ability though, um, I kind of wish that it did more with uh, the siege. I kind of thought that that would be cool even if it did it with um, minimal to no uh, minimal to no uh, supply use as well. Just something to give us a little boost and make things a little... I mean, that would balance out some of the uh, defense that it's adding um, if it could do a little bit of a siege as well. I mean, nothing major, but I don't know. I, I hope that would be stronger than just being able to you know pull on a gate, but hey. Yeah, that may be something they revisit because I just don't... I don't see a reason tactically to use that ability at all at the moment, but... I guess yeah, we'll just see how it plays out long term. But yeah. Okay. Well, is there anything else like huge that you guys want to talk about with regard to this new mount patch? Uh, I guess not the mount, but there with the balance patch a little bit. There's a couple of things I wouldn't mind touching on. Um, some some long term staples of PVE play have gotten changes to the way they function. So. Uh, rest in peace picking up warrior banners. That's no longer possible. No more hitting people with, with banners. Um, they made a really neat little change to it where you drop the banner and then the warrior can pick it up, similar to how NGs can pick up turrets to reduce the cooldown. Um, and when they do that, it reduces the cooldown by 60 seconds. So only the warrior can interact with it. Interacting with it doesn't give a bundle. It just reduces the cooldown. So a neat little way to make that uh, somewhat less of a hassle for people who are rezzing near banners and then end up hitting a you know a big dragon with a banner. Uh, druid spirit and uh, ranger spirits. I forget that druid isn't the base class because I play so much druid. Ranger spirits got totally reworked. They lose health over time as they buff people, but can be healed. And then using the active skills, teleport them to you. So I'm currently unlearning uh, like 2,000 odd boss kills worth of muscle memory um, on my, my druid, which is, it, it's really cool. Like the, a lot of the sort of, not min-maxing, but there's, there's more strategy involved with using the, the spirits now instead of just set it and forget it, which is, which is really... Uh, on the whole, a lot better. And I, I like where they're going with it, for sure. Uh, and the last thing that got totally reworked is Scrapper Gyros. So Scrapper Gyros used to be um, little summonable things that would go and do an effect, and they didn't have particularly bright AI, and they weren't particularly strong right now. But they completely they just ripped out Gyros, basically, and replaced them with Wells. And so NG's got access to wells now, which is different. Uh, and the wells center on the NG and attach to them. So if you think of like the old stealth gyro, no more are you dependent on the stealth gyro remembering to follow you sometimes. It's now 
a stealth and smoke field that just attaches to the scrapper, which is one of the reasons they're popping up a lot in World v. World at the moment is because it's extremely easy to do stealth bombs with the scrapper. But they've also got sort of an interesting utility in the Bulwark Gyro, which absorbs damage from nearby allies and redirects it to you, which is actually a little bit broken at the moment, because if you pop that near a wall that, I don't know, is getting sieged by a trebuchet, all the trebuchet damage from the wall goes straight to you and uh, deletes you off the map. But yeah, it's just uh, a lot more viable, a lot more interesting in sort of a support engineer setup more interesting in a world v world context uh maybe a little bit too strong but there's a lot better synergies with other abilities and runes and combo fields that just make it feel so much better to play scrapper at the moment what happened to the scrapper scrapper that would stomp um down enemies or the 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 little doohickey that used to do it out the scrapper that that one's the same the function gyro didn't get changed just the utility ones okay Honestly, if I was going to pick one thing to change about Scrapper, though, it would be that function gyro. <laughs> I think it's just su- such a um, clunky and outdated mechanic compared to how the Path of Fire elite specs just make every elite spec feel different and impactful. And the Scrapper, the function gyro is just completely forgettable. Like, literally... Uh, if you didn't click on someone, you would have no idea that you had the ability to do that. So I would like to see that get reworked somewhat, but that's just me. Anyway, I have said my piece about the balance patch. Fair enough. Well, I guess that really just leaves one kind of downer note to talk about, right? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, while I was gone in Japan, uh, there was a giant week of layoffs, which was uh, just starting during the previous episode, and it looks like that's pretty much all fallen out at this point. Um, <sighs> it's a uh, it's a real feels bad, you know. I obviously we don't know all of the details by any stretch of the imagination, but. Uh, it always sucks to have talented people, you know, being let go of before they are ready. And when it wasn't anything that they particularly did wrong, um, definitely a few big recognizable names have departed. And uh, I know a couple of them personally, which is uh, always unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I I think, and I may be wrong, but it seems like some of them were probably given an option, like a situation where NCSoft maybe said, you need to reduce your headcount by this many people. And that, you know, maybe ArenaNet said, well, we have to lay off, you know, X, Y, and Z, but we also need to lay off some senior staff somewhere. And if you want to volunteer, you'll get a severance package. Um, because I definitely saw some people saying that they, you know, had chosen to leave. So I assume yep. they didn't just quit, right? Um, yeah, we do know that for sure. Yeah, I don't know if that option was afforded to everybody or not, but um, um, from what I do know, and I don't, I don't have sources on this off the top of my head, but um, from sort of following the coverage and everything, uh, it seems like ArenaNet was offering severance packages to everyone or just in general taking very good care of the people who um, were going to have to leave. 
Um, we know for a fact that they had a job fair to offer people jobs at ArenaNet, and everyone who was laid off was invited back to participate in that. And we also know that Undead Labs, who was founded by a former ArenaNet employee, was also there offering um, meetings and jobs and contacts and everything. So it sounds like, in in general, ArenaNet was doing the best they could to take care of everyone in an unfortunate situation. Yeah. But it wasn't an ArenaNet call. It was an NCSoft thing, right? Yes, as far as as far as we know, that's. I think that's about as much as we know. Like, I think I think the most we know is that uh, NCSoft sent a letter to ArenaNet, which is what got out to the press, which is what we were talking about um, in the last episode that had just hit. Like, as Eric and I started to record that podcast, um, and we were getting a lot of information as that went on, and then a few days later is when when the layoffs actually started happening. We were seeing people, you know, tweeting about. Uh, choosing to leave or whatever having having left the company yeah and also i don't remember if you guys talked about this but it sounds like the the studio is working on multiple un undisclosed total number of other non-guild wars 2 projects and by that i mean specifically guild wars 2 we don't know if they were related to the ip or um or not right like i don't i don't think we know anything about that uh yeah and that they canceled one or two of them yeah that's my understanding i my understanding is that there was at least two projects and the state of them is unknown although assumed to be canceled yeah i feel like if you're laying off a hundred odd people uh and simultaneously saying that it's not affecting the core guild wars 2 team that that's probably what that means so yeah i mean i know it's uh i mean it's always tough to hear that from a professional and a fan standpoint because you know on the professional standpoint obviously that sucks because these are people's jobs it's their you know their passion or you know whatnot and then on the fan standpoint it makes you feel really worried about the future of well the company if nothing else so yeah the first thing i thought about when i thought about the future of guild wars and that you know it could be in decline and you know we may not have it forever I'm like oh no my guild wars one stuff i'm gonna lose that <laughs> i don't think guild wars one is going anywhere even if they just like even if arena net like just like vanished into a vortex and was producing uh games on another plane in the meantime i feel like just a server wherever they have it would be on and continue to run forever because guild wars 2 like doesn't need any maintenance yeah i do actually believe that guild wars 1 and probably guild wars 2 are are hosted on the amazon web services so theoretically anybody could keep that open and especially with guild wars 1 being the tiny size that it was and running on you know early 2000s hardware cannot be a high demand on their server so i'm sure that's actually pretty cheap uh, especially because of the the architecture that they used when designing it to be very scalable right because the whole yeah. world's not being hosted it's literally only however many instances have been spun up um and you know for an old old game that is not really being played that much anymore that can't be more than a dozen right so, oh yeah, ho- probably, hopefully, probably yeah. I I mean, total, right? I'm I'm counting cities and zones or whatever. But uh, oh. yeah, it's uh, hopefully we can go back to Guild Wars One for a long time to come, and I think that's probably the case. But 
you know, it's it's tough when you're given sort of asymmetrical information about things because ArenaNet has has been for a long time very tight-lipped about what they're working on and you know we know roughly how many people are working at the company but we don't know how they're divided up among different types of development and different development um projects and different you know yeah so it's sort of a big old black box and we just heard that there was a big problem inside it and yeah it's about all we have really but i think that's about all we were gonna talk about this episode we're getting on to you a little over an hour which is slightly longer than our goal of shorter episodes but not as long as many of our older episodes but not as long as many of our older episodes (laughs) okay fine plan partially attempted we're we're doing okay is there a fast little cast cast you want or are we ready to close out uh, I'm trying to think if I have anything at the moment. I don't think there's anything that I know of going on. I've been tuned out a little bit since I've been so sick for the last couple months. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I have anything at the moment. Alrighty. Well, then with that, I guess we are closing it out. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you for joining me once again, wonderful co-hosts. And we will be back uh, sometime on the flip side. This has been another episode of Relics of Ore. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofore.com, email us at relicsofore at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.